Josanna Perkins, otherwise known as Josie Toda. And I'm Josanna Perkins, sidekick, um, best friend, mom, guardian, angel, Yasmeen Murdoch. Ru- no, I'm not Rupert Murdoch. Oh. I'm Yasmeen Hamadi. I'd, ra- I'd rather die. <laughs> I'm over here in an island, missing my girls. I'm Alicia Pascual Peña. Bitch, you're in the valley. <laughs> and this is Dairy Scotland. <laughs> and this is Dairy Say. She's in an island called. You're in North Hollywood. I'm in Scotland right now. So technically, Josie's on an island. Yeah, technically, you're anyway, on an island. Before we get to the Queen's perishing, I have a oh. small little story I want to share. Okay. Please do. <laughs> so, yesterday, do I swear to so I can't make this stuff up. Some things that happen in my life, I'm like, yeah, this is not an A24 coming of age film. Timothy Chalamet is not the protagonist in this. It is me. But I'm also the antagonist. I am my own worst nightmare and my greatest fantasy. I went to Sephora. So you, everyone knows when I get anxious or stressed, I go to Sephora. This is not a paid ad from Sephora. There's something about the lights that make me feel like it's I'm at a safe hospital. Haven. I don't understand. It, it is my safe haven. I don't know why hospitals just calm me weirdly. Oh my god, I love hospitals. I tell people all the time my favorite, my favorite government place or like a pl- like when you think of a church <laughs> or a bank or like if you're building a town. I love hospitals because you know why nothing can go wrong in the hospital. Well, that's what they say. I mean, everything I like can. But everything. Then, I feel like everything goes but, but wrong. Then, I feel like the. 100% everything can go wrong in a hospital, but the thing is nothing can go wrong when everything's going wrong because everything is there to support you. You know, power goes out. They have generators. You throw up. They have anti-nausea medication. You need surgery. Zofran. They do surgery. You, it's like kind of like, I've always talked about the sexual relationship with like your nurses. There's like that kind of flirty thing there, but because yes, of HIPAA, yes, you never yes. do anything There's about it. There's something so hot that's like, anyway. do you want your saltines? Yes, I want my crackers. Like, And then they like do you need feed you the gel. cracker when you're like And they feed and you the you crackers get- and those socks, the socks are like the rubber things on the bottom so you can't slip. Oh my God, the best. The best. Anyway, so anyways, I'm, I'm at Sephora. Okay, so I'm at Sephora. Love it. Or leave it. Great show. So I was checking out and the cashier was like, okay, so your change is 9-11. And we just looked at each other. And we we're like, so she, I was like, who's going to say it first? Who's going to say it first? And she's like, yeah, today is um, September 11th. And I said, it is 9-11. And how crazy is it that my exact change was a $5 bill, four ones, one 10 cents and a cent. The Sorry. exact change. Do you, babe, it's a dime. One ten cents is called a dime. I barely use coins anymore, honey. I just That's use so quarters to do my laundry. But it's it's the way that it was 9-11. Do you actually? I use quarters for my laundry. I'm just it's, like any other bitch. It's astonishing that I have not seen, so humble. It's astonishing that yeah. I have not seen that building of yours that you reside in and were best friends and sisters. Your dog has been in my apartment. Your dad has been in my your your dad's been in my apartment. Omar's been in my apartment. The stories of my dad in my friends' apartments are the best. Ah. <laughs> Yaz, I have to tell you, you I kept thinking about you because I was at an Emmy's pre party and the entire cast of Succession was here. Of Don't there. fucking say. <gasps> and the guy I just you're got obsessed with, sums. he was wearing the hat and he passed I'm by shaking. me with a drink in his hand and the hat and I was like, I wish I could take a Jeremy Strong. For Yaz. His name is Jeremy Strong. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. him. So, wait, so wait, the wait, entire wait. cast of Ted Lasso, the entire cast of Abbott Elementary, the entire mm. cast, like all these, we so saw, bougie. I saw Josie and I's mother, um, Amy Poehler. Like it was a great thing, but I didn't know this until last night. 
So it's it's an Emmy's pre-party, right? So everyone and their mother is there. And we learn really quickly that there are waves of people invited to this. Like 50 Cent and like Jeremiah and all of these people performed. No. So if like you were A-list, 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 you got an 8 p.m. invite. And then if you were like <gasps> below that, you got a 9 p.m. invite. It's giving exclusive. Oh, so, so it was so funny. And I was like, that makes sense, I guess, like logistically to control the crowd. But I was like, they don't care. Like PR wanted you to know that you weren't a part of the caliber of people that they wanted to initially invite. But you know what? We're here for a good time, not a long time. So I was so happy to be there. And it was cool to like have conversations with people that I'm inspired by. But I was like, only in LA would there be four different invites to the exact same party. And we all know that. And I'm coming in with the last wave. And we're like watching like the head of NBC and like (laughs) cast people walk out. And they're like, wait, why weren't you here for the performances? And you then have to Uh, explain to them. Like, um, our invite said that this started at 10. um, And we're learning very intentionally. Um, so that was really fun. But Yaz and Josie, but, you guys were with me in spirit. And I wish I could have taken mental pictures for you, Yaz. I wish you did too. I just want to circle back to the most important thing that's happened in this episode so far. So what drink was Jeremy Strong holding? Oh, I have no idea. He looked really cool. He had a hat on. He looked like yeah, he's he kind of his character. But thank oh, God, a much better energy. Um, the redhead was like on the dance floor. I apologize yeah, for she not was. knowing your names. I've watched yeah, the she entire was. show. It's phenomenal. Yeah, she was. Um, but yeah, it was. I I was like... This is very LA. This is, this is, this is LA. This is humbling. They're like, we want you to know your place. And you know what? I ain't even mad at it. You feel me? I ain't even mad at it. Okay. Speaking about celebrities and celebrity events and all that is Hollywood and people that you look up to or inspired by. Today specifically, we are going to be talking about celebrity deaths. And um, in the light of Queen Elizabeth's passing and all of the hot takes and sometimes very morbid, Things that people have to say that have also resulted in some very interesting memes that we have all seen. And then I'll talk to y'all about my people, mi gente, which I'm very excited about because it's Latin Heritage Month, people. Yes, it is. Yay. Hey, don't forget to follow us at Dare We Say on Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash dare we say. We'll be right back. I'm a little out of breath. I'm a little exhausted. I'm a little warm because I just came from watching the Queen of England. May she rest in peace. Um, Her casket. I, I literally watched her casket from 25 feet away being taken down the Royal Mile from Holly, Hollywood Castle. I think it's called from Balmar Castle to Hollywood Castle. Ho- There's a place I called think- Hollywood Castle. I think so in Scotland. That's insane. Wait, 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 wait. Am I mentally ill? Oh, Holly Road. <laughs> LOL. We were talking about Hollywood and celebrity deaths and we're like Hollywood Castle. <laughs> Not me thinking that I'm so LA that I thought there was a Hollywood castle. Okay. Ho- okay, anyway, so she died at Balmar, which the queen always knew that that's where she wanted to pass. So when the queen died, this it's like very um, common knowledge that for every royal's death, there's a plan of attack for their, not of attack, but there's a plan of motions. And this, this plan is called, it's called, um, they say London Bridge is falling. So when the queen yes. dies, the secretary of the queen calls 
basically everyone in order of most importance to least importance to announce that the London Bridge is falling. And that means that the queen has died. So first they call the primary countries that the queen presides over. And then the rest of the territories that she presides over, they let them know, they let the family know, they let the family come to the queen and then they announce to the rest of the world. And the specific operation that happens and that is conducted in Scotland, which is where I am right now, is called none other than how camp, how chic, Operation Unicorn. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's literally called Operation Unicorn. No way. Why? Whoa, that is camp. That's a sleigh. Wait, not that she passed away. It's only a sleigh that is called Operation (laughs) Unicorn. So to be clear, basically, Operation Unicorn means that she's taken from Balmar Castle to, I think, Hollywood Castle to St. Giles Cathedral, which is where there's like a little mass. And I, being in Edinburgh, was like, I am not going to miss this iconic moment in history, despite the problematicness of the institution and the monarch as a whole, which we don't even need to get into because that's a whole nother episode in and of itself. It is like a very iconic thing to obviously witness. Um, so me and my two castmates, Emmy and Aubrey, marched the streets of Edinburgh and we went to where we thought was the place to um, start lining up. Turns out it was a queue. It was a wait that people had been in since four in the morning. So he was like, there's no chance that you guys are going to see it. Like, sorry, bros. Like, don't really know what to say. He was did, like, they, did they say it like that? Sorry, yeah, bros. Well, don't really know what to Scottish say. The Scottish people don't really like the institution. They don't like the royals at all. They're like anti-royalists. So he was like, I don't even know why people are here. Um, but oh. we were like, yeah, same. But like, we still want to be like in the know. A part of it, yeah. Um, so anyway, As an American, like, I want to be in the know. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, but I also need my grandchildren to be able to tell the story that I witnessed this happen. So we just go on a little stroll and we're walking and we see a gaggle of people lined up. It is as if Childish Gambino is the headliner of Coachella. And there is like hundreds of people just like packed in this one area just to see the queen pass by like this, I would say like, maybe like 60 foot um, space. And we couldn't see past all these people. But I, I looked up and in the building above me to the side of me, I saw a bunch of girls with their heads out the window. And I just straight up asked them, like screamed from the bottom floor. I was like, could we come up? Could my friends and I come up? And they were like, yeah, sure. We're Love like that. Love part that. number 11. And so anyway, we went to the top of the building and we had the best view. I mean, we were like 70 feet above the ground and we saw the queen's casket pass down the Royal Mile and it was pretty wild. Um, But shout out to those girls. Yeah, there is something to say like the regardless, because we can all acknowledge like what you said earlier about the monarch as a whole and the institution. I do have to say, I think there is room to say that we are never going to see another queen in our lifetime. Yeah. We we are not. And I think like that's a really crazy thing because it's now Charles and it's William and then it's yeah. George. Our entire lifetime for them, it's been a woman, like it's been a matriarch. And we won't see that ever. And like, I mean, should there even be monarchs in the first place? That's a whole other conversation. Uh, yeah. But I do think there is something to say that, like, 
have you watched The Crown? Every bitch ever is now like, we need to watch The Crown because they talk about her like coming to this role of that's only been men for so long and like taking over. It's very, it's very wild. Um, yeah. But that's a really good segue into like deaths in society when we put them on a pedestal, aka celebrity deaths. It is crazy. I mean, even just being in the UK, I think it's a very different vibe than being in America when like when the queen died, for instance, like how important she was to people, not even people that I know who are like not royalists at all. It's just like she was like a grandma to people. But anyway, so how do you guys feel about the queen's passing or like what is the consensus in America? Because I'm, you know, being fucking flooded by the Scottish air. And so it's different here. Um, Let me preface this by saying death is innately somber and unfortunate and difficult. Um, And I will never celebrate the death of another human being. That is not my makeup. I I think Mm -hmm. that that is not okay. So, you know... um, Miss Queen, uh, may she rest in peace. I I, ho- I send peace and love to her family. She's like a drag family. queen, Miss Queen. Yeah, Miss Queen. She was on Drag Race. Senora Queen. Um, you she- know, like she was somebody's auntie. She was somebody's <laughs> abuela. Like I, that you know, like she was a human. And um, but it's it's really difficult because you know, as a Caribbean girl myself, um, being from the Dominican Republic, obviously a lot of my peers are Caribbean. A lot of my peers are African. Um, whether it be from Kenya or Trinidad and Tobago and places like that. And let's just say the sentiment that people were sharing on their social medias was um, very joyous. Very, very joyous. I have never seen uh, this quick of a production in regards to memes. I have never seen this eclectic of videos about a death in my life. Black Twitter is having a field day. A field day with a barbecue stand and a kickback where people are dancing. It's kind of insane. But in all all sincerity, um, not that posting matters, right? Whatever. Well, like it does, but not that posting doesn't encompasses everyone's life and like all of their perspectives. Sure. But what I will say is I personally did not post at all about the queen's death. Um, I think it is unfortunate that she passed, but the reason that I personally did that um, or chose not to was because of, I think, what she represented. And um, I don't think that I can look at the face of my Black peers and Indigenous peers and people who have been colonized and still living under the implications of the imperialism and the genocide and colonization of the royal family and tell them that they should be mourning than they naturally feel like they should, if that makes any sense. Alicia, that's interesting you say that because I saw like Cardi B posted and she was like, I'm not, I'm going to keep my mouth shut with this one because I'm not going to hell with the rest of you. Stop. Like the thing, like no, she said that. And I was like, really this is, crazy. people were going and I was like, to, to an extent, I was like, just give it a beat. Like someone did pass away. We can't, both can live at the exact same time. There is duality yeah. and like, like honoring like what she represented, but also critiquing and also saying what she represented was colonialism yeah. and imperialism. Like, and like, and the con- that, that's the thing. I'm just like, I'm sorry. I cannot sit here and wipe away the fact that she represented a colonial empire that legitimized and perpetuated racism and classism and genocide and slavery and colonialism. 
which I think is something to acknowledge. And I like I feel like you can also honor that, um, you know, she was a woman in um, a male dominated monarchy back in the time but um i'm pretty sure her crown male dominated industry royalty a male the queen was dominated by a male dominated industry but like oh my gosh i really had to get off twitter because like did you guys see the memes that people made of her at the gates of hell no and diana our lady die frederick joseph tweeted um, and said only if the world had showed this much empathy for the communities that the queen and monarchy colonized and ravaged. And I'm like, kind of tea, like pinkies up and tea. Like, Here's my response to what you just said. Because you can't tell a community that has been oppressed how to react to things that are triggering and obviously things that are affecting them and their oppression. However... I'm not the most educated person on the royals. I mean, I literally like I have like a like a tiny little like a sperm cell of knowledge about it in just the past few days on TikTok and just reading. <laughs> but I think that a lot of people confuse the queen and um, the people uh, that are royals with the institution itself. Mm. And I think that you can separate the queen from the institution. And like, yes, of course, she's done some like fucked up things, but she also did things that apparently were good. And she literally lasted through, you know, like over 10 presidents and, you know, things like 9-11. Like she reigned for such a long time and was mostly a positive person in a lot of people's lives. So I could see why people still care about her being dead but i'm also just like i it's just it it doesn't make sense to me and maybe she is a symbol of all the problems and that's why i just i could never understand why anyone would be happy that someone's dead yeah here here's my thing i will never take joy in anyone's death i'm sorry i think just morality that's not okay but in my opinion I understand people mourning her because she represented the country. I understand having pride in the country, but I don't think that you can separate Lil Mama from... Oh, I apologize. I don't want to be disrespectful. It was an endearing Lil Mama. But I I don't think that we can separate the queen from the institution at all. Like, the queen wasn't just complicit in UK's racist history. She took part in it. Like, supported British torture of the anti-colonization activist in... Cyprus in 1995 and in Yemen in 1963, she expanded the British Navy, enhanced an economic framework that like exploited POC labor in the global south, hid behind, um, you know, like the statutes of the infrastructure that she was a part of. She was the face of an institution. I understand like as a royal, I understand how the system works. She she didn't choose to be a royal woman and she took on the position, but it doesn't change the fact that she stands for an infrastructure that people are still very much dealing with the impl- implications and ramifications of colonization yeah. that she ruled under. So I, I, think, I, I don't think, think we right. can separate her, but I, I chose to say nothing. I, I mourn her death and I, I honestly send love and prayers to her family, but I chose to say nothing. Like I wasn't going to be like, what a queen. Like I saw a lot of people posting out of um, respect and saying that they were inspired by her and stuff. And I, I just don't share that, but I will never police someone's language in regards to their hurt. Um, dealing with oppression, but at the same time, I will never police someone's language in regards to like how they mourn a life as well. Like people should do what they see fit. 
Um, sure. Um, I do. I do have to say before I ask you guys this question, get the corgis out of Andrew's fucking hands. What? That's what I will say. They gave what? her. They gave all of huh? the queen's corgis to Prince Andrew, her son, the Epstein guy. The royals. The, yeah, I'm like we should just. I hope this is the end of the monarchy in general. It's I hope not it's the end of. I hope it's the end of all the royals. Um, not it their won't be lives. But Let them live on. You, but no, I do think people are saying that they think that the queen held it together so much that mm. they actually think that it might be going away or whatever. But if there was a celebrity or a public figure in our lives that have passed away, I feel like even though we might have not ever met them, I feel like we I, at least for me, I've like. <sighs> I broke down when Kobe Bryant passed away and like I like my heart literally broke in half. Was there like a a celebrity that you guys like couldn't get over? Like it was like actually like it was like as if a family member died. Ooh, um, I think up there for me is Michael and definitely Whitney. Like till this day, I don't know what it is. Mm. I I watch any Whitney video and I get emotional or I cry. Um. Yeah. Because it felt like she was an auntie. I also like just really resonated with her music. I think that she was like one of the best voices of our generation. You know, she came from a gospel background. Like, but but it's interesting because it's like people do this really weird thing when celebrities die. The way that people, the way that people literally, literally, literally find every fucking excuse and reason to like when a celebrity dies to like claim ownership over knowing them or like a relationship, you could have like Lisa fucking Richardson. I hope that's not a real person could have passed Michael Jackson on the street. And when she, he died, she like posted on Instagram and was like, God rest his soul. When we met on the street and we shared air, the way that he looked at me, I enjoyed that moment. I was happy that I could be there for him. And for that reason, I'm so sad. Hashtag mourning. Hashtag send love. Like, bitch, you did not fucking know him. The amount of people that claim to have known people, are they always post? I've never understood. If I even met a celebrity once, I wouldn't post unless they meant so much to me personally. Unless they meant so much to me or my community or... You know, they've saved me personally. If it's just a celebrity that I happen to have a photo with that I have no connection to. No. And I know what you're going to say, Alicia. And I remember uh, that. It just hit me and I'll cry. Oh, and I'll cry. I know. It just hit me. The way no, that I know Alicia no. so well. No, I cannot cry again on this show. Yeah, uh, two episodes in a row. She's crying. Stop. I, who? I think that when it comes to celebrity death, I think what sometimes hurts more is obviously not the person, not just the person and their personal life, which is already sad in and of itself and is worth mourning. But what they stood for and the work that they did for their community. And I think that we can all relate to people that we looked up to who represented us. And we've all Um, had that. Alicia, are you okay? I'm okay. I just... And Josie, I think that I forgot it because I can be so emotionally unavailable that I don't like once again being vulnerable, ill, but I'm working on it. Let's all be vulnerable. But um, Josie saw it read on my face. Josie actually was the one who told me that 
Chadwick Boseman had died of cancer. Um, and why am I crying? Like, it's, it's this ridiculous notion because you didn't know them, right? And I agree with Josie because it's like, yes, mourn people, uplift people, give people their flowers, but honestly, give people their flowers while they're here, but give people their flowers. Like, I posted about Chadwick passing, um, not only because he wasn't just an artist for us, like, I think for Black people, he stood for so much more. He played so many historical figures, the first Black superhero. And he also died of cancer silently. Um, and personally, a lot of people don't know this about me, but my mother fought cancer. Um, and she is still alive and being the baddest and most amazing woman I've ever met. But um, We I love you, Cami. We love you, Camelia. Pero, mommy. But seeing her go through cancer and um, behind closed doors as well, like, I just, I, my heart broke. And I've never cried like that over someone yeah. um, passing. And Josie knew the effect that it was going to have on me. And still, still to this day, I don't know how you knew I was going to be that sad. Um, but yeah, it was Chadwick for me. But it's, it's just this interesting conversation, right? Um, about how we react to death, because it also makes me really sad that even in his death, and I think this is a conversation that I want, I'm going to, leads me to ask you guys a question. There's something that, us as people do is also like we lack humanity in people's death. Like it, it seems like people mm. fall on opposite sides of the spectrum. Like you either are like, oh my God, like you try to fabricate that you knew them more than you did or you you want to like mourn with them like you actually personally knew them, which is weird and like cloudy. And it talks like our obsession with celebrity culture. But then on the other hand, like even in Chadwick's death and Amy's death and Michael Jackson's death and Whitney's death, people were like making fun of them and like, there were memes of the way that Chadwick looked within his last like two years because he looked very sickly and people would make fun of him like on the red carpet, not knowing that he was battling with cancer. Yeah. I remember being with you and um, seeing your reaction and we were also, not to get too personal, but we were also <laughs> FaceTiming a grown man and seeing, and I only say grown man because... I want to emphasize how I've never seen this man get emotional in this way and to see him cry. We were, yeah. Was, was for me, you know, not to make it about me in the moment, but watching that, I was like, wow, like this man stood for so much more than just making movies. He stood for a community. Um, I think like a conversation that you and I had had that day was the fact that like, um, unfortunately, black people have had to become very accustomed to losing people early. Our culture does have like this obsession with death. Like I'll, I'll be honest, like Michael was a really hard death. Like, cause obviously for black people, once again, king of pop, soul, all that stuff. But the way that people acted after it made me uncomfortable. I found it eerie. Like the way that people were like, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, and people, people really, and I understand someone having like a strong impact in your life. But it's just, it's this conversation of like, why do we deal with celebrity deaths like in a very unhealthy way a lot of times? Like there's this obsession, there's like this infatuation. Um, and also let's not even talk about the news cycle and how they become like vultures. Like I will never, I will never forgive this country and the way that they have publicize some of these deaths with just a complete lack of empathy. Like, for example, we saw yeah, Pop Smoke's like video TMZ dying. And all of, all, of the media companies, all, of that. all the media companies shared it. Yeah. And it was disgusting. And it 
makes us destigmatize to death. And we forget like they weren't just celebrities. They weren't just on a pedestal. They were humans with families. This whole Kobe Bryant thing, his wife who just won a lawsuit because she had to see this on a television and she was finding out nuances about the death of her child and her husband. I have goosebumps. Through TMZ and stuff like that. That is insane to me. And I think the fact that people feel like they have the right. Yes. The right is... It's abhorrent and it's disgusting. And it's that's also just a, t- a, a touches on like relationships that celebrities have with people in general and people feeling mm. like they have the right to their privacy and the right um, to like their information being disclosed. That is literally so disgusting. But I mean, I feel like it. it is it is crazy. I mean, remember speaking of Kobe wild tidbit that I don't think a lot of oh, people yeah. know or that it's that important at all because yeah. obviously it, it, we are the least of important when it comes to this legend's um, passing and yeah. his daughter's passing. But we actually were supposed to film with Kobe yep. the two days um, after he died. We were supposed to film a scene with him. He was going to be on our show. And I don't think anyone knows that. Yeah, and so people don't. He was going to be on Saved by the Bell for our pilot. Which was so surreal. And I remember the costume girls had gotten his sizes from his stylist and like he fully was on the call sheet and and all of and all of that. And I remember I I think like people in our school had known that. And so when Yasmin and I were with some of our friends from school and they found out that he died, they like a girl came up to me, she was like, do you need to go home? Like, do you need to like take some time away and like rest? Because like you, this guy died and like, you know, Kobe and like, and I was like, what? Absolutely. Like, I was like, I, I did not know him like that. I was like, I'm, we need to mourn him for who he is and mourn for his family and for the people that actually knew him. Like, why do people think that they can just pretend like they know someone, but even though it was very weird. It was interesting because finishing the pilot, which I don't even think Josie and I have talked about just because we were like, um, you know, we want to respect the sentiments that everyone is like dealing with it in their own way. But like the energy on set has shifted greatly Mm -hmm. um, while we were finishing the pilot of the show. And I remember learning that he had passed through my, through one of our best friends, Angelica Washington, um, whom we love. And she called me specifically because she knew that I'd been talking about it for a month with her, that I was so excited to meet Kobe on set that I can't believe that he was origi- like originally a fan of the um, first Saved by the Bell and that he was excited to be on our show. Like our EP told us that. Um, and it was just insane because it's, it's also, I think, it's really like beautiful and eye-opening to see how like one person can change and bring joy to so many people. Like, and you, and yeah. it's unfortunate that unfortunate, like some people live their entire lives never even seeing the fully full impact they had on the world until they passed. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, I think thankfully, hopefully, Kobe was given his flowers. But I think that there's so many artists and so many celebrities that weren't really respected for their true artistry until they leave. You know what I mean? Like leave this earth. And like specifically with Kobe, it was insane to see LA come out the way they came out. And just like the whole world, like that man was so loved and so respected in LA. You felt it. You felt the energy in the air change. And I was just like, wow, the fact that one human can have that effect on so many people is so powerful. Something that I think is difficult for most people when people die is how immediately, especially if they were 
a mostly good human being, how they're revered and respected and loved and given the graces that they deserve for all the good things that they did, but also how complicated it is when those people have troubled past. And even like learning about Michael Jackson's past post his death was wild. And how do we as people reconcile with someone's problematic um, past and also, you know, how they affected us in a positive way? And how do we celebrate them while not silencing the people that may have been affected or victimized by these people? Yeah. I mean, I really, I don't, I, I don't have an answer for that. I feel like what that makes me think of for the example of XXXTension, um, mm. the rapper, singer, songwriter who um, publicly, like he, he beat his girlfriend, you know, like that, that's a whole, that's a confirmed thing. And like, I'll always believe um, the survivor, the victim. Um, but it's it's very interesting because I was watching his documentary and like he's talking about like his demons inside and like sometimes like he he just couldn't stop himself but he loved her so much and I'm like that it was in this documentary you see how the world kind of just publicized his death like there's videos of him dead in his car and it's just circling around the internet and that's when he really blew up was when he died and then you see you acknowledge and also realize like he beat a person. He beat a girl. He beat a woman. You know what I mean? And like in the documentary, his mom and this girl like had a huge conversation about it. And you saw the pain with both of them. It is wild. I mean, it's wild. I remember, you know, seeing, reading all that about him and then um, also hearing from someone like my friend Sky who was friends with him and how amazing of a friend he was to her and like hearing the contrast between that and obviously the stories that I saw. And I think the, what my message would be to people or my message would be to myself is like, we shouldn't feel guilty for mourning the loss of someone who did bad things for how they've affected us, if they've affected us in a positive way. But I think as people in general, it's our responsibility as human beings to recognize people in their fullness and it's not always just keeping all the good things that they did and also you know doing enough research for your own self to realize like you know who they did affect and who they did victimize and I think if you're including that in the conversation then I don't think you're a bad person for you know yeah. revering Michael Jackson or revering people who may have been accused of things or someone like ex who obviously is a very problematic past and has done some awful things. Um, I just think it's more nuanced than, oh, this was an awful person. and Now we can't listen to their music or now we can't en- enjoy it anymore. But like I said before, you can't tell a, vi- a group um, that has been oppressed or victimized by any one mm-hmm. person how to respond to yeah. that. And if it is never listening to their music again and never wanting to speak about them again and um, not wanting to be in spaces where they're celebrated or they're revered, then I respect that. And I cannot tell that person otherwise. So I feel like if we could give you any piece of advice, and this is advice that I feel like we would give ourselves, um, when a celebrity, when a f- public figure dies, um, there's an, obviously with death, there's not one right way to mourn. There's not one right way to go about something that's so traumatic uh, like death. I think... Um, taking a beat 
and just processing and you don't have to go straight to social media. You don't have to um, some in the like nicest way possible. Don't make it about yourself. Yeah. Um, in the nicest way possible, don't make it about yourself. And also in regards, I feel like to the people who are here and are struggling. Um, when I think of like younger deaths, like Amy Winehouse, when you think of the almost overdose of Demi Lovato, give people their flowers while they're still here. Yeah. Make people feel loved and supported while they're still here. You don't need to listen to their songs when they're dead. You can do that while they're alive too. Um, I feel like that's, I feel like, I feel like that's a good place to just leave that there. Death yeah. is a very hard conversation. Um, and you should navigate episode. it in whatever way feels most natural to you and yeah. what feels most healing for you. And whether that is posting or not, um, I just would say to take a beat, like you said. Take a beat. There's not one right way to go about it. Um, this was a very interesting, com- to be honest, for us three, because death is, a, we each individually have a very... Um, interesting relationship with death as one does. So I'm grateful that I got to talk to you three, uh, to you three, to you two about this. Um, to you two and the voice in your head. <laughs> literally. Dare We Say is brought to you by JBL's new Unfiltered, the JBL podcast. Being unapologetically me is my North Star in my career. It means everything to me. It is the fabric of my founding of my body. And honestly, people who write their own rules, people who live, laugh and love on their own accord are so inspiring. And you know what? JBL and iHeart have collabed on a new podcast called Unfiltered, the JBL podcast. And it's a show all about those who dare to embrace, to embrace being unfiltered and unprecedented. Hosted by singer-songwriter and cultural fucking icon Betty Who, each episode they'll sit down with a different maker or creator who broke through the noise by choosing to live out loud and laugh out loud. L-O-L. They'll talk to these inspiring and influential doers to work through how they approach their creative process and express themselves wholeheartedly, unapologetically, being themselves. They'll try to get the heart of what makes them tick, amplifying their stories to inspire us all to redefine the new possible. Check out JBL's new Unfiltered, the JBL pod. Catch it anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. We are going to segue right now to Alicia, who has a little bit of an announcement for us. Alicia, what month is it right now? It is Latine, Latinx Heritage Month. Woo! Okay. Woo! September allies. is... <laughs> Yay, allies. <laughs> Yay, allies. Are you guys allies? Um, allies. This month, starting on September 15th, it is Latin Heritage Month. And I... Can I just be real with y'all? Can yeah. I just get something off my chest? Get it off your chest. In baby. this Latin Heritage Month, even though it is about celebration and empowering our community, like I just had um, the privilege of attending the NHMC Impact Awards, which is was just a room of amazing people um, in different organizations and different actors and artists um, uplifting the Latino community. So it's a beautiful month, but I just want to get off my chest how frustrated I have been Um as not only a person who like was a part of the media, but just as 
genuinely a, a person living in, in America and wanting to be represented in the lack of Latino voices being supported in shows and being supported mm. in as directors and writers. And fun little fact, just less than a month ago, um, a slew of Latino shows were canceled. Batwoman, which was going to be led by an Afro-Latina, was canned. And it seems to be this trend and this phenomenon that like Latino shows rarely make it to their third season, rarely get to actually tell our stories in film and features. And, you know, we saw One Day at a Time, Diary of Future Presidents, Saved by the Bell, Batwoman, Gordita Chronicles, all of these shows canceled, being led by Latino people. In 2021, the Hollywood Diversity Report from UCLA said that even though we make up at least 60 million people in America, we are less than 8% of the people on screen. I think the exact number is around Mm. 7.1 people on screen seen. Which is insane. That is insane. insane deplorable. And then like Holy shit. What's really frustrating is as an Afro Latina artist, I am always told like progress is being made, right? And things are changing. Aren't you so happy? But it's like I am still probably one of five employed Afro Latina actresses like on Mm. or who was on a show as a series regular. When you look at the 2021 Emmy nominations, there was not one Latino nominated in an acting category. That's insane. One in five people in America are Latino. But mind you, we're not seeing ourselves in the media and not reflected that way. And as we already know, as we already talk about, like seeing ourselves helps empower us, helps not only us understand what we're capable of. um, And when Hollywood chooses to not engage in Latino narratives, it does not only our community are a disservice, but it does the world because media drives perspectives and the way that we're perceived. Yeah. And it's just really frustrating, frankly. And I'm tired of it. And Latinos need to be seen more. Hollywood needs to invest in our stories and our projects, not only actors, but directors and writers. And also they need to market our stories because now our stories are being told, but they're not marketed. They're not publicized. They're not given the respect nor the support that white or non-Latino projects are given. Yeah. Um, And Alicia, I have a question for you. Yeah. And So like as someone who's not Latina, what can we do as a society, as um, allies to support you, uplift you? I think it's important that we're all a part of this conversation. Thank you for asking. I will answer as a Latina, but I think you guys are a part of the conversation too. And I want to hear from you guys. How do you guys feel like you're going to celebrate this month? That is going to be the question. How are we all going to celebrate? Um, For me, I'm going to celebrate (laughs) uh, Latine, Latinx Heritage Month by continuing to live boldly as an Afro-Latina and really engaging with the art from my community and seeking out things that um, may not be popular right now. Like, um, Mm. you know, I want to see indies, from Dominican Republic. I want to see short films from Mm. Venezuela, Colombia, different places in the world. Um, So yeah, I'm going to engage with my art. I'm going to see how I can be supportive to my other Latina members and also 
see how I can share my culture with the people around me. I'm very excited. This week, our friend group actually has a party to celebrate Latina Heritage Month, which I just think is really beautiful. I love that it's at my house. And it's I'm at not Josie's house and oh, she's yeah. not there. I was going to say, as an ally, I'm going to a Latinx <laughs> party on Saturday. I'm kidding. Something that I'm going to do as an ally and as someone who is not only a lover of a beautiful Afro-Latina queen that is Alicia, but just of um, like... Latin culture and Latin media and the shows that I've watched that I've I've been obsessed with and I've um, binge watched. I am going to take to social media. And even though I have a following, I think anyone can do this because I think we have power in numbers. If we see a show mm-hmm. that comes out like Diary of Future President, like One Day at a Time, like Seba the Bell that has, uh, you know, multidimensional Latina or Lat- Latino or Latina characters that we are obsessed with is to post about it and yeah. to come together and to implore to the studios, you know, flood their Instagram comments. It really does make a difference. Social impact now matters more than ever. And we see yeah. so many, so much stuff getting picked up just because, you know, a fan base cared about it. So yeah. I'd say, don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to comment. Don't be, I feel like that one Senator um, telling people to like show up at Supreme Court Justice's house and abuse them. But I'm not saying that. I'm saying flood, abuse their <laughs> Instagram comments. DM yeah. them. You know, look up who are the executives who are picking up stuff. DM them on Instagram. Email them. Call, you know, the front desk and let them not let you through because that's not how that works. But still, like, I don't know. I think there's a power in, in your, your voices. And I think we're louder than we think that we are. And yeah. that... In order to see real change, like Alicia said, of course, seeing the people on the screen matters, but the people making the decisions are what is really going to create systemic change and fundamental change to make representation not only exist, but be authentic, which is what is most important. And I'm so proud to know you. And I'm so proud that you've allowed me to appreciate your culture in a way that I feel is so beautiful. And I'm so grateful. And I hope every single Latina and Latino and Latine person is thriving right now. And if you have a friend that is in the community, maybe Venmo them. I don't know. Send them money because <laughs> everyone deserves money. Unless yeah. um, they're a bad person, then obviously like don't send a bad person money. But anyway. Yeah, but like, yeah. we love reparations. Um, Josie, that was perfect. Josie, thank you, my love. You are so phenomenal in so many ways. But I think that is an important note of this conversation as well. Like, even though Latinos make up so much of the American population, unfortunately, a lot of our projects are deemed as just for Latinos. They need to be supported by people that don't look like us either. Like Latin stories can also just be about the human condition. Latino stories can have universal truths and we need to stop categorizing as anything led by Latino as one thing that can't be for the masses. Like as Josie said, and as I know Yaz does, like they enjoy things that are led by Latino people. So we need to show up more. And honestly, because of the infrastructure in which we live under and white privilege, when white people are supporting a Latin show, that helps us. So we need that. We need allyship. Like people who aren't Latina need to be a part of the conversation. And I think Latina people just need to be empowered in their own truth and their own voice and know that we're capable, even though that we're not always respected. I think that a renaissance is happening and Hopefully, even if it's in a minuscule way, I can be a part of that change. And I'm so proud of seeing what my peers and other Latino people are doing in the industry. But yeah, so much needs to change. I think the industry needs to do better and be better. But Yazi Boo? Yeah, I feel like for Latine um, Heritage Month, I feel like 
the bare minimum you could do is post on social media and speak out and show solidarity there. That's the bare minimum. What I do think um, that people can do is go to the polls. Yeah. Go to your um, local elections and vote for people whose agendas, because everyone has an agenda, whether we like it or not, and vote for people and speak out for people, public officials who are making change for the for different marginalized communities, for Latinx. You have to go to the polls. You have to vote. You have to speak up. Also, another, like, this is just a medium. John Leguizamo um, has a phenomenal yes. play called Latin History for Morons. And if you have the opportunity to see it, I think it's on Netflix. It is on Netflix, and it's amazing. Please watch it. Thank you, guys. It's it's important to note, like, touching upon what Yaz said, you can't say that you support a community. For example, you can't say that you're out here supporting the Latinx community, but then being complicit in our oppression um, and discrimination. So show up at the polls, show up in your own life and whatever that means to you. And que viva la raza, my yes. people. And show up and show out for your Latino people. Listen to us, consume our art. Respect us for our fullness and see the beauty in our culture this month and every other month. So, Feliz Latin Heritage Month, Dare you guys to be bold. Dare you guys to live, laugh, and love. Um, And also, if you haven't, subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch us look fucking hot. Remember to rate our feet. We want to get on WikiFeet. And honestly, just follow us. Follow, just make us look sexy. Think we're hot. And um, show up to the polls this coming November. Bye. Bye, y'all. Dare We Say is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our showrunner, producer, and mommy. And Ari Schwartz is our producer and show daddy. Fiona Pastana is our associate producer. And Sandy Girard is the almighty executive producer. It's hosted and produced by me, Josie Toda. And me, Yasmin Hamadi. And me, Alicia Pascual-Pena. Vasilis Fotopoulos and Charlotte Landis, they are both our engineers. Brian Vasquez is our editor and theme music composer. Our video producers are Mac DeGroote, Narm Melconian, and Dylan Villanueva and Mia Kelman. Lastly, thank you to Jordan Silver, Gabriella Leverett, Jesse McLean, Caroline Haywood, Shayna Hortzman, Daisy Cruz, Danielle Jensen, and Awa Okalati for marketing the show and making us look so damn good. Good.